Welcome to the Dealing with Goliath podcast. The mission of Dealing with Goliath is to sharpen the psychological edge in negotiation, ethical influencing, and high-impact conversation for business leaders who want to be more effective under pressure, uncover hidden value, and build greater connection, all while increasing profitability. This is the short-form espresso shot of insight podcast interview to boost business performance using our five questions in around about 15 minutes format. My guest today is Christopher Salem. Chris is an accomplished CEO, business growth strategist, professional keynote speaker, award-winning author, business trainer, and radio show host and media personality, dedicated to empowering business owners, businesses to boost their brands and business simultaneously from ordinary to extraordinary. His goal is straightforward, to help serious business owners foster better workplace environments that lead to higher engagement and retention with staff while generating more clients, increasing customer experiences, and scaling their overall revenue and profits quickly and inexpensively. Over the years, he's developed a keen understanding of the complex issues facing small business owners. His experience has helped him develop skills to educate business owners quickly and effectively to successfully apply the right strategies in the correct order, allowing them to grow their business to its maximum capacity. His book, Master Your Inner Critic, Resolve the Root Cause, Create Prosperity, went international bestseller in 2016. He also co-authored the recent edition to Mastering the Art of Success with Jack Canfield. His weekly radio show, Sustainable Success, is part of the Voice America Influencers Channel and Business Influence with Tal Radio, part of the Touch of Life Foundation. Wow, Chris, there's a huge amount of talking points right there. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Well, Alistair, thank you so much for having me. Dude. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's it's absolute pleasure to have you. So, so let's dive straight in. So there's a lot going on there. So who would you say is your ideal client and what's the biggest challenge they tend to face? Well, for me, the ideal client is someone that understands that there is a problem. You know, mm -hmm. they instead of, you know, managing the problem, they recognize that they're, you know, they're looking to do something, finally to do something about it, to find a solution. So they have to be open minded and they have to be coachable. Because if they're not open-minded and coachable, then it's going to be very difficult to not only address the problem, but then the, together create a solution that will allow them to you know, find a more sustainable path towards the results that they're seeking. So really important for me, it has to be that they're open, right? they have to recognize there is a problem, mm -hmm. open-minded, and be coachable. Excellent. I have to ask, you must have a whole, at this stage in your career with all the experience, you must have a whole load of little tick boxes or the opposite red flags as to when people are not so coachable. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I make very, very clear with people is if they're looking to check off a box or manage the problem, I'm not their guy. <laughs> okay. Okay. That is very interesting. Uh, because the question is a lot of a lot of the audience might be listening and they might be in that pre-stage they might be they could be a prospect of yours potentially down the line but what are some of the common mistakes people make when they're trying to solve that problem just before they they come to you what are they trying to do that's not working for them well what i find is a lot of times they're just trying to manage the problem mm. and kind of like check off a box cover their ASS is the acronym, you know, CYA, because in order to really address a problem, you have to be transparent. You have to be open. You have to be able to admit 
What are what are what is the situation for what it is? What is the role that I play in here? What are the strengths? What are my weaknesses? And assess that for everybody else that's involved so we can see how we can go about fixing it. Another issue would be that a lot of times people tend to get caught up in the control they can't control. They're not focused on what they can control. This is why we experience the feeling of being worried, feeling stressed, feeling anxious, being frustrated. And so you have to recognize the situation for what it is, not what you think it should be. So that's what's very, very important, how you think first to look at the situation for what it is, what can I do to maximize it and make sure that I'm being transparent and vulnerable and open to do something to correct it versus looking at it for what it should be. And this is where people tend to kind of check boxes, kind of not avoid you know certain things exposing themselves and that type of thing very interesting because it sounds like as you said a lot of people might fall into that avoidance mentality oh it's difficult it's messy not my problem somebody Somebody until management does something i you know i'm not going to do anything people are people are looking for the change outside of themselves not from within change comes from within regardless if other people are involved you can't control that you have to change make be, be that change yourself I love that because it, it's it's such great wisdom. It's something I've heard from quite a few different directions lately. And it's just reminded me of the same that, you know, if you want to change, if you want to look at how to move towards solutions, start with yourself. Start with what is in you that's potentially contributing to the problem uh, and, and go from there. So I love that because it sounds like you, you require a certain level of firstly of humility in your clients, but also a certain level of self-reflection mixed with that. Yeah. They're able to actually say, okay, where am I? Because nobody's perfect. But No, nobody's perfect. Nobody, it, regardless of title. It, and just what you said, Alistair, it starts with self-awareness because without self-awareness, we can't, because I can't change what you're going to do. I can't control what you're going to do if we are working together. I can only control what I can do and then be the example and be a resource for that, for you to do it for yourself and vice versa. This is what creates an interdependent work environment or culture that where people can come together to complement one another, not depend upon each other. I love that. Uh, uh, as you said, it's that complement. Where, as you said, the, 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 you used a great word there earlier, which is that vulnerability. I'm a great believer in strengths through vulnerability. People feel vulnerable from vulnerability, but it's actually a huge, it's nearly a superpower if you can do it yeah. in the right way, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, I grew up, look, you know, where I was led to believe that vulnerability was a weakness, you know, and it took me 30, well, took me over 31 years after I would turn, I think it took me three years to realize after I started this transformation with myself to realize that vulnerability was a strength. And without being vulnerable, how could I get to the root cause of the things that were holding me back in order to now correct them and then, you know, change my way of thinking to, you know, improve my skills prove my the way I look at things, how I think, and how I take action to move forward. Excellent. And it sounds like that ties in very much with as a key principle right at the base for how you have that staff, greater staff retention, how you have the greater customer or client retention. Does it play right through across the board? Yes. I mean, again, you know, the the thing about, you know, if you're looking to, you know, incite change, you have to be that example, regardless of title, 
You have to t- take that responsibility to be that change for yourself. How can you look at things and think in a different way? It starts with the way we think. Many people are programmed to operate from expectations and expectations are caught up or, or with attachments, emotional attachments to results and outcomes. But what ends up happening is with expectations, we put more emphasis and power into the things that we can't control, situations and other people. And because you're in the past and the future with that, fear thrives there. So you're operating in from fear in the past and the future rather than the moment when it's better to operate from intentions, not expectations, because mm. that allows me to now to focus on what I can control, trusting the process of what you know of what I can control, what I can't control that will lead to the results that I seek. Sounds like there's a lot of uh, awareness of presence, both you know being in yes. the present tense. But as you said, it's that danger instead of living too much in the past or in the future. As you said, that's where the fear resides. Yes. And that, and that's what, and unfortunately, that how most people live their lives and how yeah. most organizations run is by fear. And people don't realize that they're thinking this way in the past and the future. They, they have attachments to, emotional attachments to the outcome and results. That's what the expectation is. But what, it, what they don't realize is they're putting more power and emphasis and energy into the control they can't control. And this is why people react to situations instead of respond. Big difference. Oh, let's clarify that one because I love it. Yeah, because, <laughs> of course, we don't want to be too reactive. But but what would you then describe the difference as, as respond versus react? That's a great point, Chris. Well, because we can control our emotions. There mm. are five things we can control as human beings. Our communication to ourselves and others, behavior, attitude. It's happening for you, not to you. Emotions, learning how to respond versus react in action. What respond means is that that if somebody something happens that might trigger an emotion, it might be that it upsets you. You're angry. It's okay to feel that way. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, you're angry. Hmm. But instead of now reacting from that primary emotion of anger, which is not going to help the situation, whether if you verbally come back or type an email in response back, in this case, in this country, you're reacting. I can pause and take a breath and say, what can I control in this situation? What can I not control? Now, if I feel composed enough to now respond from a secondary emotion, positive, then I can. If I have to remove myself for 10 minutes, I remove myself, come back. If I have to sleep on it, come back the next day, I can do that. But I find that when we can respond rather than react, from a positive emotion doesn't mean we negate the negative emotion that you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. We're able to be better problem solvers and create solutions and better ideas from those situations or where people are involved. Definitely. I mean, cause the, the anger you used anger as an example or disappointment or whatever that emotion disappointment. Is, yeah. Can be frustration. Whatever, as you said, you know, people like anger because you feel empowered. But as you said, it, you're not very creative when you're angry. You're not creative. You're just, it's like, it's like, it's like if there was a fire, you're just pouring more gas on it. That's all yeah. it is. Uh, and I love that distinction, you know, and it's a great one to point out to the audience. So thank you for that, that you are yeah. choosing your response rather than just living in the reaction. So, exactly. which, as you said, it's getting you out of fight or flight as well. It is. So that pause, there is a power in the pause. Take a deep, just take a breath. And if you feel like, hey, I can re- I can respond favorably from a, a, a secondary emotion. And like I said, it gives you now time to address 
the primary motion on your own. If you have to deal with some of the, you know, if you feel upset and angry, again, you might be able to calm yourself down and see it for what it is, not what you think it should be. When people react from negative emotions, it's because of, of, of what they think it should be. Instead of looking at a situation for what it is, and then maximizing what you could control with it. I love it. Because it puts you back in control. Yes. Well, what you can control, as you said. It, what you can't control. Not that you can control you know, everything, but, you, but yes. Yeah, it's like that, uh, you know, you, you, you can't control the river, but you can you can get on the boat and steer. <laughs> That's what right. we're doing a lot of the time. Excellent, excellent. Uh and I love that because you know a lot of my a lot of my clients, as you know, a lot of my my people that follow are, are uh, in and around a lot of negotiation, and it's something that great negotiators often push their buttons. They can find the buttons to get <laughs> emotional for these things, and it is exactly that being able to play, being able to roll with that, and get into the higher self, as you say, out of the fight of light into the higher self to make those more creative, sometimes even playful. Uh, yeah. decisions to be much more your best self so that that's excellent stuff so what might be one valuable free action that the audience could implement that will help uh, with these issues so this may not solve the problem but at least put them looking in the in the right trajectory and we've touched on quite a few there already yeah yeah i mean there are many different resources i mean mm. if you work for a company you could tap into your eap your employee assistance provider resources for things on emotional and mental well-being there are a lot of resources on that that even pertaining to emotional wellness you can download calm or or headspace and mm -hmm. just learn about how can you learn to be present how can you learn to retrain your mind to think in the moment rather than the past and the future because if you find yourself anxious worried frustrated on a regular basis that is just a telltale sign you're operating in the past and the future to expectations and you're Again, looking at things for what you think it should be rather than what it is. Bring it into the moment, focus on intentions instead, and just trust the process that things will work out if you focus on what you can control. That's it. So common okay. headspace offers some free resources that I, for yourself that you can learn to be more present. Absolutely. Such a great point uh, that the headspace, you know, mindfulness exit only 10 it only has to be 10 minutes a day it doesn't have to be you know That's half it. an hour or anything and as you said scientifically proven to create that space so that we're just less reactive and more as you say able to choose our response to whatever comes up during the day so it's, it's such a great point such a great point literally putting you back in control so i think it's worth that 10 minutes a day yeah. whatever it is what is it ten dollars a month or something is nothing so best best ten dollars you might spend. Excellent. So what might be one valuable free resource that you could direct people to that will help with that issue? Because you have an awful lot of wealth of things on your on your yeah. uh, website and uh, you have all your books and your radio show. Is there anything in particular that maybe they could check out? Uh, with me, I mean, with me, it's just connecting with me. Okay. I mean, and there's no obligation at all, even though I'm a coach. Uh, there's no obligation. I love to meet new people. And a lot of times I'm just sharing. I'm sharing. And if I get to know somebody and I can share something, it can maybe plant a seed to maybe get you to think about something that you can change and how you look at things, you know, to what we're talking about here. So there are plenty of different resources, but I always find that when we can have conversations with people that have 
that have made these changes and have been operating from this way of thinking for a long time, those are the best best people to surround yourself with. And I know I did with people that that taught me and and I'm simply just giving it back. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. That's fantastic. So what would be your number one insight or principle on how to negotiate? And by negotiate, I mean, that's sort of more uh, the, the human side that I talk about, building yes. better rapport and connection, uncovering hidden value and opportunity with your counterparts. Do you have any particular thoughts that you often uh, give to your clients around that? Yeah, I would just say that, again, you know, when you when you talk to people, ask questions. Mm. You know, ask a question, even if you're even if you're looking to when you're looking to build rapport and get to know somebody, what's really important to them? What is their challenge? Maybe they're not sure what is important to them, what their challenge. But by asking questions, you can uncover this information. This could be with colleagues, somebody you work for, customers. But here's what's even better, especially for people that are in sales. You can still interject what you're looking to come across in terms of something that they can benefit from what you're offering, but do it through the power of questions. When you tell people things or you know direct certain things at people, they're going to put walls up. But if we can now ask a question, look them in the eye, and listen, truly listen to relate and understand, it's quite powerful. It builds rapport. And when you build rapport, you're more likely to now People feel more comfortable, more vulnerable in a healthy way to now open up so we can find out where are the bottlenecks, where are the problems, things that are getting in between us that are not making us be able to work efficiently together. Now we can solve what that is to move forward and for customers to feel more comfortable with us that we can uncover what's really important to them to help them move forward as well. That's outstanding advice, Chris, because yeah, you're you're spot on. I love that asking the questions, listening, what you said earlier, being present, listening to the answer, because those are the stepping stones. That rapport is what builds trust. And that's when you get to the real picture of, as you said, of the real, whatever your customer or client's real problem or struggles or challenges are and how you can actually help them effectively. So that's outstanding, outstanding advice. So thank, thank you. you, Chris. Well, look, Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute education in the short time we've been speaking. <laughs> so thank you so much for that. Alistair, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to serve your audience here today. Outstanding. So last quick question, where can people reach out to find you? I, I, I'll, I'll link to, obviously, your LinkedIn below. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you yeah. LinkedIn is a great place to connect. I mean, it's just, you know, kind of uh, informal way to connect. I have two websites, uh, ChristopherSalem.com and then also SustainableSuccess.net. But I, I would say LinkedIn is a great way, or we can connect by email at Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Super stuff. And all those links, of course, will be, be beneath the podcast and beneath the video. So do reach out. He has some remarkable stuff on his website and check out the books and the radio shows. Huge amount of value there. So, Chris, thank you so much. Alistair, thank you so much for having me.